So on this wonderful day of Thanksgiving, let us be in great gratitude for the man that reminds us of our spiritual magnificence, who gives himself selflessly every week as he shares with us the gems of wisdom that he has learned about himself so that we can have a better life experience. Experience. Please welcome Reverend Patrick Cameron. See, did you notice that? Thank you, Reverend Cameron. Did you, come, here, come here a sec. Did you notice the hug? Now, if you're in Hollywood, you, the, the, you're always supposed to not upstage the actress, so you're supposed to hug on this side, see, because then you can see her. Hey, just a little tip for you if you're ever hugging on stage. So. She, she, she put me out in front of her, so that was very sweet and generous. <clears throat> I learned that. $40,000 worth of acting classes, and I learned that. None of it was wasted. Anyway, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to stand up and, and sing a song, and please stay seated if that's your preference. And we'll say a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room. In this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to know with me, in the remembrance that we are part of the collective whole and we sometimes forget that. But there is one life, God's life, Spirit's life. That is our life. It's perfect. It's amazing. And so what I know in the remembrance of that is I remember that and call that forth. As I choose it, it chooses me. And I give thanks for that knowing. I give thanks for this remembrance. So whatever there is for us to know, to be made clear in our own, on our own unique and powerful and wonderful journey, we welcome it. Whatever it may be, whatever the situation is, whatever the new idea that is seeking expression or the old idea that no longer serves us, or whatever we are growing in our garden of consciousness, whatever it may be, may we continue to do that with the care and the love and the nurturing that this beautiful Thanksgiving weekend reminds us of the power of gratitude, the power of blessing, that which we dwell upon, we become. So may we dwell upon the things that call us and lift us up and inspire us in so many beautiful, powerful ways. For this I give thanks, knowing this day is a complete success as we come together. And in that remembrance, I'm grateful. And I give thanks, knowing it is already complete in the mind of the one, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you. Please be seated. Da-da-da-da. Oh, there they are. I had notes and everything here. I thought, wow. I guess I moved them. Thank you, Brown. So happy Thanksgiving. And thank you. It is my birthday today, as Brown just uh, shouted out. Those of you in the first two rows can maybe hear that. And what I was reminded of uh, earlier, the earlier services, birthday is just a number, and mine is soon to be unlisted. So I want to let you know that... <laughs> that uh, it's good to be alive, whatever the number is, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. And it's Thanksgiving, so it's perfect. Somebody asked me last year, was it the same last year? I said, no, I think it was on the 10th last year. It floats around here. In, in, the, in the States, it's always the third Thursday of November, but harvest is a little later there, if you've noticed. It's a little warmer. <laughs> Just slightly. But it's warming up again. We'll be playing golf here in a couple more weeks, I understand. That's what people keep telling me anyway. Anyway, today is... Uh, Sharing is entitled The Art and Heart of Gratitude. And gratitude is a, is a powerful tool in our lives. And I want to just talk about it a bit because I think it's important to be reminded of the simple tools that are available to us. And sometimes we think, well, just being grateful, that kind of, that's kind of lame. And yet gratitude is, is, is so important. Gratitude is a... It, it, we cannot be in gratitude and be in resentment at the same time. It's impossible. We can't be in gratitude and, and be harboring grievances. It's very difficult. We cannot be of two minds. And so it's very important, I think, to, to understand that, that gratitude, we can channel gratitude. Uh, Fred Luskin in his book, Forgive for Good, which we don't have in the bookstore, people ask me after the last service, but we'll get some in, talks about a gratitude channel. He said, walk into your nearest supermarket and give thanks for the abundance of food available. Go to a nursing home or hospital and give thanks for your good health. When driving, mentally thank each of the drivers who follow the rules of the road. If you have a significant other, thank this person for caring for you, making it a point to do this every day. Remind yourself of any kind act done by your parents. Notice a salesperson or clerk at a store and thank this person for waiting on you. In your home, give thanks for all the labor that went into making your furniture, appliances, and food. And as you wake up each morning, give thanks for your breath and the gift of your life. And so those are just a few of many. And those are obvious. And those are good things. It's easy to be grateful for the things that are good in our lives, isn't it? Well, I think it is. I think it's, a, it's important for us, I think, to, to be mindful. That's part of awareness is understanding. I mean, um, Dolores was running around here trying to get me a glass of water before, and I, and I thanked her. And it's, it's so important for me to do that because there's just all those little things, people helping support you. And that which we bless and that which we praise, it multiplies in our lives. And I'm just so appreciative of all those little things that, that show up. Yesterday, Laura was running around our house and she was um, getting out the winter stuff and putting away the summer stuff. And I just thought, isn't this so sweet to have that available. I mean, just a simple little act, and she was just on it. She was just taking care of it, putting away all the summer things we aren't going to wear, the, the flip-flops and everything for a few months. And Although some, I've seen some of you wear flip-flops all the way through the winter. I'm quite impressed. <laughs> but, um, but just those little things and people caring, that, the, the act of caring, those simple little... Uh, the, and they're not little, but we sometimes overlook them. Gratitude means being fully alive and in conscious oneness with God. Thanksgiving is the prayer of the heart, and gratitude is the great multiplier. So that which we bless multiplies in our lives. Dr. Holmes had this to say about, Dr. Holmes was our founder. He said, the universal mind is contained, and the universal mind would mean God, spirit. But he gives it many names, and he called it many different things because the, the tendency over time is that we make God uh, a person. And usually it's a man in an old white robe and, or whatever color robe and a long beard. You know, Michelangelo painted him on the, his hand on the, the Sistine Chapel. And that was an idea that worked at the time. But what we understand now is God is a principle that we're immersed in. 
and we're created in the image and likeness not because he looks like any of us, although we are the individualized expression, but that we have opportunity to think, to choose, and decide. We are unique in that. And we are each divine expressions. So Dr. Holmes said the universal mind is, contain is contained, <clears throat> excuse me, in the universal mind is contained the essence of everything that ever was, is, or shall be. So every possibility, every potential already exists in the mind of the one. Isn't that fascinating? Electricity was always available, but until Thomas Edison and whoever else he borrowed the ideas from to use it and to apply it into our lives, didn't know about it, but it's always been there. And so what other ideas already exist in the mind of the one as we move forward and the technology continues to shift and change? Dr. Holmes continues, the seen and the unseen are in it and governed by it. It, once again, another name for spirit, God. It is the sole and only creative agency in the universe, and all other apparent creative agencies are it working in different ways. Things exist in the universal mind as ideas. Ideas take form and become things in the concrete or the visible world. And thought calls things forth from the universal into expression. So when Dr. Holmes says to learn how to think is to learn how to live, and this is, this is the core of our teaching. This is what we teach. As we shift in consciousness, and as we open up to the possibilities, the new ideas, our life changes accordingly. And so it's, it, it's so simple, and yet it can be a challenge at times. Have you noticed? Have you noticed applying the principles in a way that are meaningful in your life, but you find the same pattern showing up over and over again, or the same experiences showing up? But I think it's important to understand that it, I've said it a few times, I'll say it again, it's gradual, it's sequential, it's inevitable. The only reason that we don't bring the new experience into our life is we just get tired, get worn out. Usually my demonstrations show up in my life when I am worn out and tired because I finally put it down. I finally released it. I mean, the reason that we release a prayer treatment is because it's done. The reason we give thanks for a prayer treatment is because we're grateful that it is already complete in the one mind. We're not thanking God as if God is bestowing a blessing. Many people have an image of God as this. That the metaphor that I think is appropriate is this, this giant baby in a big diaper that's flailing around up on a cloud somewhere with a, with a magic wand and just arbitrarily is whacking different people at times. And there's a blessing there and there's a curse there and oh, there's one there. As if this infant is just randomly bestowing blessings. You know, many times we hear the story, why would God, why would God let this happen? I read it every week. I see something where someone says, well, I don't believe in God anymore. Why would God let this happen? And once again, it's that, old, it's that old idea of spirit. It's that old idea. And we, God is not a personality. God is a principle. And so for us to understand spiritual practice so that we can tap into that energetic, it's a vibration. So as our consciousness lines up vibrationally with this, big, this larger life force, and it is a life force, it's a flow. So we step into that and we think creatively and think from the possibility and understanding things shift and change. And gratitude, thanksgiving, is one of the ways that we tap into that. Gratitude means being fully alive and in conscious oneness with God. And the, the thing that I will ask you today, I read a list of things to be grateful for. But what else could we be grateful for in our lives? What is there in your life that you could be grateful for? That you're, You may be, because it's a great tool. If we have a great tool in our toolbox, why not use it? as best we can. And it never wears out. It never wears out. It's always available. It's always right there. We went to see uh, Michael Moore's movie 
yesterday, Laura and I went, and uh, it's called Capitalism, A Love Story. And I left the movie theater and I was really unhappy, really frustrated with the story I saw and sort of the things that happened. But I realized <clears throat> being angry and frustrated was just contributing energetically to the same chaos that I was frustrated with in the film. What's happening for us, if we look over the totality of history, what's happening is it's always, there's, there's always chaos involved with creation. There's always the breaking down and the renewal and the restructure of organ, organizations. That's, a, that's, a, that's just healthy. You know, we're going through some reorganization within our, our uh, International Centers for Spiritual Living and United Centers for Spiritual Living. We're, we're coming back together. We split in the 1960s. And people have asked me about that. And, and I, I've said it wasn't about philosophy. It was about how we operated, how we did business. But all that's healthy. I think for, and, and so because spirit is not concerned, believe this or not, that God does not care whether the Oilers or the Flames win a hockey game. Isn't that amazing to ponder that? You know, the spirit does not care. I don't, you know, I mean, spirit wants the highest and best for all of us. But this whole idea that, that, that God is uniquely on our side, and that if we pray harder, we'll win the game, I don't think that's on God's list of important things. I think what's really important is for us to come back into union wherever we are, doing whatever we are. We can be athletes and continue to do this. And I'm not coming down on athletics. I love sports. I love watching it. I enjoy it. I love watching the golf tournaments that are going on right now. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to watch people excel and, 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 and strive for excellence. But it's all spirit and expression. It's no different. You know, there's no, there's no large or small in, the, in the, the one mind. There's no large or small. We give it some importance. You know, the, the, the Stanley Cup. Didn't they do that last year? The Super Bowl. Well, if it's so super, why are they doing it again in another few months? <laughs> but we give it importance. We make up stories about it. What's important, I believe, is to continue the, the, the nurturing and the unfolding and the, the deepening in our own awareness of our oneness. And to stand in the gratitude is powerful. It's amazingly powerful. And so when I watched Michael Moore's movie, I came out of it, I was frustrated, and I could see the injustice as he pointed out some of the things that have been happening with the breakdown and the, the band-aids they put on the financial structure of, the, of the, the world, basically. And yet, all of it is spirit and expression as a result of consciousness. And when you make decisions from fear, you get results like what you see in the film. And it's, and it's not a bad thing. It's just the prevailing consciousness. There's a, there's a group of people that get together and agree on something. And, then, and as a result, there's, there's, we would call it collective consciousness, or we would call it, sometimes we call it race consciousness. It has nothing to do with, with race as we know it in terms of different uh, ethnicities, but the, 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 the human race consciousness. And we're immersed in that as well, and we're influenced by it. And so for us to step out of it and understand, you know what, I, I, this doesn't represent me. I choose a new idea. So when I came out of that film, I realized, you know, I've got to stop spinning in this frustration and anger because that's not a, contributing anything. But it's easy to go there because we're tripwired for that. Bang. We can go right there. So wonderful uh, quote I want to share with you. In The Science of Forgiveness, Chapter 7 by Fred Luskin, he says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. You think know, it's fun to get angry? Really get indignant? Oh, those guys. Oh, look what they did. He continues, to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come. 
wait till I see that so-and-so. Man, I'm going to tell them what. I'll give them what for. To savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king or a queen. The chief drawback is what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. But that's what it does for us. So why would we continue to participate in life at that level? Because I don't think any of us are ever going to stop getting upset and angry with things. I think if we're in this world, we're going to see things that we think, oh my gosh, look what's going on. I mean, and some of this stuff is, is very disappointing. But how can we, as thinking, bright, intelligent, creative, cultural creatives, knowing that there's a better idea possible, wherever we look, wherever there's lack or limitation or ignorance being played out, wherever it may be, how, how do we bring consciousness to that? Because that's our gift to the world. That's why we're here. I really I believe that. The, the more and more I read, I laughed the other day. I was so grateful I got up the other uh, Actually, it was this morning about 4. It wasn't the other day. It seems like the other day. But usually Sunday morning, spirits get me up saying, hey, man, you better pull it together here. And, and the great joy about that, the great gift in it, is that it, it continues to work on me as I work on it. You know, I'm digging and digging and saying, oh, you know, let's, let's bring something of value because this is important. We get together and have this conversation. And it's, it's, you know, I leave here on Sundays and I go out into my week and I want to apply all the principles and things we talk about in a meaningful way. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of hooey. It doesn't matter. So let's give meaning to what we're doing. But I, I realized, I was so grateful this morning, I realized, here's a guy, me, you couldn't get me to crack a book open when I was in school. And now I get paid to read. I just think it's amazing. I just think, look at this, Mom. I felt like calling her this morning, but it was a little early. I said, Mom, guess what? Remember how multiplication tables, I refuse to learn them. Refused to learn them. I was not going to learn the multiplication tables. What's the point of knowing how to multiply? I don't need that. <clears throat> but in third grade, you, you know, your, your idea of what's important is a bit limited. And uh, through some not-so-gentle persuasion, I learned my multiplication tables. I still know them, as a matter of fact. But I just marvel at the journey my, my, and the twists and turns and the going left instead of right in my life, the things that have unfolded for me. There's a wonderful... There's a wonderful story I want to share with you today that I think illustrates this so beautifully. And it's by Elizabeth Lesser, and it's out of the book Broken Open. And she talks in here about uh, Elizabeth, a little background if you don't know. She founded the Omega Institute. It is in upstate New York. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour train ride to Rhinebeck, New York. It's a little depot. And you get off the train, and there's a few cabs that will take you to the Omega Institute. And it, she founded it with uh, Richard Alpert, who is also known as Ramdas. And so it's a sport, sort of spiritual camp for, for children. And Laura and I went for, we didn't go this summer, but the previous two summers we attended a workshop there. And it, she was not there, didn't meet her. There's, there's hundreds of presenters that go through there each year. But she says this, that each time I lead a workshop, I get the feeling that the universe is a central casting agent who sends the full array of human personalities to the dramatic stage of the workshop. It never fails. See, I think we know. I think we call into our experience the right and perfect people. We, they're always there. They're always there showing up for us. But if we stand in that perspective and, and look at it and go, wow, look at this. But how many of us do that? Laura and I were talking about how many people get into class and quit. There's always a few that quit. And it's like, okay. I mean, we don't drag anybody, force anybody to do it, but people sign up and they quit. She doesn't mention that here, but whatever. But if we trust the process and untrust where we are, and maybe quitting is the right thing. Sometimes we're not ready to do it, whatever it may be. And that's a good thing, too. There's nothing wrong with quitting once in a while. We can take a break. 
Anyway, she says, whenever I teach, whatever the size of the group or the subject matter, central casting supplies a rich blend of people. They include shy souls, eager beavers, shut-down resistors, true believers, complainers, mystics, pretenders, wise guys, and what I call mental cases. <laughs> and mental cases she describes as people who live primarily in their rational minds. There's also a know-it-all, a class clown, and a sad sack. There's always someone whose heart has recently been broken. Central casting makes sure a couple of people who don't want to be there are, are in attendance. These people keep their arms folded and their eyes fixed on the ground. So if you look around and somebody's got their arms folded and staring at the ground right now, they're, they're here. They've been coerced to be here for some reason. But it's all perfect. It's always perfect. And everybody is necessary. And then there's the person whom I call the workshop angel and on whose presence and story gives us all the courage we need to return to our lives renewed. The workshop angel. The workshop angel is always sent. They always show up. Every player is critical to the success of the workshop, she continues. We all contribute to one another's growth. The class clown shows the shy soul how to come out of the shell, even if she must risk appearing foolish. The sad sack helps the class clown touch his deeper feelings, even if he has to descend into grief. The mental case encourages the sad sack to take a break from her feelings, while the mystic gives the mental case permission to seek out the magic hiding in the heart. No one's presence is arbitrary and everyone is essential. So she recently taught a three-day three day, three workshop, and I'll read bits and pieces of it to you because it's just quite uh, compelling. On the second evening, we met for an hour before going to sleep. A gentle snow began to fall. We had been together for two long days during which we had shared some painful revelations and some freezing realizations and freeing realizations as well. One woman had spoken about the miseries in her life. She seemed caught in an endless cycle of anger and regret. Central Casting had sent her to the workshop for her own healing and to teach other com others compassion and the ability to sit patiently with someone else's pain without trying to fix it because we love to fix. It's a challenge for all of us. In our classes, when we break into the groups and everyone starts sharing, man, we just want to jump in there and get people fixed. The beautiful thing about it is if we know that, this, that, that each person is a divine representation of the infinite and that they're going to come to their own awareness is to hold that high watch, this is what a practitioner does for us. It's not to fix anybody. It's not to impose my beliefs upon someone. Practitioners are not allowed to counsel or give advice for this very reason. So if you sit with a practitioner and you say, my life sucks, and this is what's happening, and, and you pour yourself out, they are trained to be compassionate, objective, and detached. As soon as you get the practitioner talked into your difficulty and your limitations, you've got to go find a new practitioner. I tell people a lot of times what I used to do, a lot of practitioner work, if you come to me and tell me the same story over three, more than three times, I've got to fire you. If you're working with a practitioner, you're not getting the results that you want, fire your practitioner and hire another one. Find the person that can help you, support you in the idea. Someone that can sit with you and see the beauty and see the power and see the, the, the greatness that is seeking expression because that's what wants expression. That's what's seeking expression through you. So at the end of the evening session, I sensed that we had done the work we could do for one day and I turned off the lights in the room and we sat silently watching snowflakes drift out of the dark sky, swirl by the windows, and land lightly on the frozen lake. That's kind of lovely, huh? They're all sitting there in the darkness. A deep sense of peace gathered in the room. It was as if we had become one breathing organism. And together we were releasing a deep sigh. 
the angry woman began to cry. I knew this was good. I knew she needed to spin her anger into grief before any healing could begin. I said nothing, enjoying the grace of human beings, allowing themselves to put down their burdens and just be. Many times people will come up to me and say, you know, I've been coming here for four weeks and all I do is sit down and cry. It's such a powerful, wonderful thing to be able to do in an environment like this because we're just putting things down, we're shedding, we're discharging, and it's got to go somewhere. If you think hanging on to the whatever it is, that when the tears well up in you, give yourself permission to just release and let go. Make it a daily practice if you have to. It's a powerful thing to do. So if you need permission, I give you permission right now. So when I turned the lights back on, an elderly woman who hadn't, had said little during the workshop's first two days rose and raised her hand as if she were in grade school. She had a refined and almost translucent face and was dressed in a tailored blue wool suit in contrast to the sweatpants and T-shirts most people were wearing. Her hair was tied in a soft silver bun at the back of her neck, and she was wearing a string of pearls. I sensed that the workshop angel had arrived. May I say something, dear? She asked me. Of course, I said. I'm 92 years old. She chuckled, and everyone gasped. She was such an elegant and energetic woman that no one would have correctly guessed her age. And I'm speaking to all of you, but especially to you. And she pointed to the angry woman that was crying. I've had a life of adventures and a life of losses. I've lost two husbands and a son. But at 92, as hard as I try, I can't find anything to be unhappy about. I know now that all of my difficulties made me who I am supposed to be. Now she leaned forward and looked straight into the angry woman's eyes. Do you know that the poet Rainier Maria Rilke, dear? He wrote a poem that ends like this. In the difficult are the friendly forces, the hands that work on us. Isn't that wonderful? Our problems are friendly. They are like hands that want to work on us. They want, us, they want to make us strong. They certainly worked on me. Even now, though I'm an old woman, I am stronger than ever. Every day I wake up grateful to just be alive. I can do whatever I want. I can watch birds at the feeder or be with my friends or read or do nothing at all. I have nothing to complain about. Nowhere to go and nothing to get and nothing bothers me. I want to tell you, my dear, that if you get to my age, all of your problems will seem like old friends, I promise you. No one said a word as a woman sat back down in her chair. We were touched by her sudden gift. Some people smiled and some had tears in their eyes. But the angry woman was unmoved. After a period of silence, the angry woman turned to the elegant old lady and demanded, So you mean I have to wait 50 years before I'm happy? <laughs> ah, my dear, said the workshop angel, don't worry. They will be the fastest 50 years of your life. And the reason that I, I love that story, especially today and on Thanksgiving, is I think that as I look at my life and I can go to the grocery store and I can bless the people that are there and all the people that are of service and of help here. And all that is great, great stuff. It's good practice. 
And it makes me feel good. It, 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 there's, a, there's a connection when we acknowledge someone's, when, someone's generosity of spirit. We connect with that person. But the other thing that I realized as I read that story this week, I realized I'm so grateful for all of the people that done me wrong. That the disappointments, the dreams and the aspirations and the things that you think are going to go a certain way and they don't, that break your heart, that create the pain and the, and the, and the anguish and the disappointment, and to bounce back from that. I think that's why we're here. If we demonstrated, as this teaching says, everything instantaneously, if we demonstrated just whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted, what would we look like? To be that self-indulgent and pampered and showered. See, I, I think we're, we're hardwired here to do this work. And some of it is really challenging and some of it is very, very daunting at times. And yet what it does, as this beautiful 92-year-old woman said, it helped make her the person she is today. So if your curriculum has been really, really rigorous and challenging, I don't think any of us are given anything we're not ready to move through. Only any of us, despite what it looks like. I think all of us have been gifted with these things in our lives to develop the spiritual tools, the spiritual awareness, and the spiritual practice so we can take our consciousness to the next incarnation as well as live. And I don't know what that looks like. And I don't think we're here to earn anything in the next incarnation. I think, we, we, I think Dr. Holmes said life is an outward and upward spiral. What that looks like, I don't know. And I'm not too concerned about that because as he said so beautifully, what's important is that we live, we live now. We live today. To live fully and to live in the freedom. See, I don't think we want financial security. I've looked at my life and there, there are times when, when there's more month than there is funds. Have you ever had that experience? It's like I'd be fine this month if there were only 17 days in it. But there's 30. <laughs> I got a problem. I used to joke around with a friend of mine and say, you know what, I got enough money to live the rest of my life as long as I'm dead by Tuesday next week. <laughs> I don't think we want financial security. I think what we really want is financial serenity. I think we want financial serenity. I think we want relationship serenity. I think we want serenity in a way that wherever we are, with whatever we're doing, whatever is before us, we understand this is for us, that the ideas, the confusion I may be in now is a gift. Sometimes we get confused because we're going down the wrong alleyway. And that's Spirit's way of saying, hey, think this over a little bit more. Sometimes God's delay is not God's denial. When we're ready in consciousness for the experience, whatever it is, however we label it, good or bad, we're going to have the experience. We have spent a lifetime developing and entrenching certain ideas and beliefs about ourselves and how we are on, the pla on this planet over and over and over again. A lot of it is our parents' legacy that we carry, carry forward. So what happens for us is we, we start to realize, you know, thought is, there's the possibility and the potential. All these ideas exist, and I'd like to experience a different, more wonderful idea. I'd like to have greater health. But it requires a bit of shedding. It requires a bit of discernment to put down the things that no longer serve us. And sometimes we don't know what those things are. And it's okay. The chaos is part of the journey. But if we stick with it and continue to call forth and work with this, this divine principle of divine intelligence that all the ideas are contained there and call it forth into our experience uniquely and powerfully for us and us alone, 
It's an amazing ride. Many times you don't know the outcome. But that's okay. My teacher always used to say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to do this work. We're not here to be comfortable. You can be in serenity. You can be in financial serenity and be uncomfortable. But just to understand that whatever shows up for us is here for us. This 92-year-old woman. I don't think we have to wait till we're 92. I really don't. I think that to continue to do our spiritual practice, whether it be in this community or somewhere, wherever you are, wherever life takes you, to, to continue to understand and reinforce this idea of who you are and whose you are and how you are connected. There's, you, there's no way for you to push God out of your life. This presence, it, she, it, is always there. Always there. And yet we turn away. We turn away, we tell ourselves a story. We take our grievances we take our grievances and those become something that we plan and, and we, we pattern our lives around. So the whole idea of, of thanksgiving, the whole idea of, of forgiveness is to free us up energetically. It's not for the other person. You can forgive someone and they don't even need to know you've forgiven them. They will know energetically. Talked about that a couple weeks ago about Stuart Wilde talking about if you're having trouble with someone, pull them in front of yourself mentally and offer them love. And offer them peace. I came out of that Michael Moore movie and I was so upset with the, the things that I saw. And then I realized, you know what? I get to apply this principle right now. What I need to do, first of all, is honor the greedy person in me. Because if I see it, I got it. If I spot it, you got it. You know that one? So the greed in me and the, and the, and the need for more and more and more. And I realized, you know what? That's that part of me that can participate just like those guys are doing. I'm going to love that about myself. I'm not going to live from it. I'm not going to act from it, but I'm not going to push it away anymore because that which you resist, persists. So I'm going to pull it close and I'm going to love it. I say, you know what? That's part of me. That's why I can see it so clearly. The other beautiful thing is to know that I don't have to live like that. I don't have to live from that energy. And that's how we can incorporate and integrate those qualities. And then, to take it beyond that, to all those people that I saw in the movie that I had such a vehement uh, opinion about, to love them. I say, you know what, these guys, this, love is the most powerful force on the planet. Now, it doesn't mean you don't also do things. It doesn't mean you also don't have opinions. I and mean, you, you look at things, how can I participate in this in a way that, is, that represents the consciousness that I stand for? How can I hit, make a difference with this? And I'm working on that because we're all in this together. Dr. Ernest Holmes said there is no private good. Your life working well is a celebration for me. We're not in competition here. But if that's true, then it's also true that there's no private pain. Your suffering, your suffering diminishes my life in some way. And we're not here to suffer. We're just here to continue to grow, to move through these things. I'm grateful that for the people that have looked over their shoulder at me when I was struggling the most in my life and saying, you know, Pat, you don't have to do that anymore. There's a new idea. There's a new possibility. There's a new experience. And if those people weren't in my life, I wouldn't be here with you today. If I'd gone left instead of right, if I got everything that I set my, my heart's desire on, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing. But I, but I didn't go left sometimes. I, I went right or I went, I went left sometimes, whatever I did. But every one of those moments, they seemed insignificant at the time, but all of them were necessary. And all of them have come to shape us. We're here to develop the resiliency and the spiritual tools and the spiritual muscle and that massive staying power that allows us to whatever shows up to say, man, man, oh man, I wasn't expecting this. Now let's see, what's the new idea that's seeking expression here? Can I give birth to that? That's to live in the creative freedom. That's to live in the possibility. 
I want to leave you with one last uh, thought here. Marianne Williamson. She said, gratitude is the opener of locked up blessings. Gratitude is the opener of locked up blessings. So are you ready today to unlock your blessings? I am. All right, bring it on. How much good can you handle? All of it. All of it. There's, Alan Cohen tells a story of a man goes to heaven and he's being walked around by St. Peter and he goes to this room and he says, take a look in here. There's all these great things in there. The guy says, is that a Rolls Royce? And St. Peter says, yeah, go take a look. And the guy runs over there and he gets in and he hops in and there's a brass nameplate on there with this guy's name on it. He said, what's up with the Rolls Royce? Got my name on it. And St. Peter says, well, you kept asking for the Ford. And, this is, and if, if you don't claim it, it goes on to the scrap heap. But his idea in consciousness, he wasn't playing big enough. Well, I, I think a Ford is as nice as a Rolls Royce. I drive a Ford. It's nice as a Rolls Royce. But you get my point. Are you willing to unlock and open up to the locked up blessings? Gratitude is so important. While life is not always fun, it is always a gift. And when we accept the truth, we can live in gratitude and good things by good things and disaster by disaster, we are becoming better people. While I cannot say I'm grateful for my pain, I'm grateful for the fact that it is never meaningless. I have been given a chance to learn, ultimately attain a sense of, of personhood that I can call my own. Out of every gift the universe has to offer, there comes the opportunity to be grateful, to allow our thanksgiving to reverberate through our entire being, and in that very act, we touch a nerve not only within ourselves, but within the universe itself, unifying us with the glorious one and giving us the true sense that life is grateful to us as well. It's the reciprocity. It's opening up to that. It's a powerful thing. So let's go out this week and open up to those locked up blessings. Whatever is seeking us, let us continue to be transformed in consciousness so we can receive it. We can be the gracious receiver of whatever the gifts are. And to pay attention and to continue to do, do the work and call into our lives the bright and perfect support. The awareness is the guides and the teachers. This is, a, this is an ongoing process. It never ends. And that's the great thing. We get to keep doing it. And every time we move forward in consciousness, every time we bring that peaceful presence to everything we're doing, it's a blessing wherever we go. And so it is.